All right, we're back. The Thompson to Clark podcast on a Sunday, Brad. We've only been like three or four days, but we're doing it on Sunday so we can bring on our special guest. You may have seen him with us the first time. We're bringing him back. Ash Day, what's going on, my friend? Hi, guys. Yeah, thank you for having me back. And uh, yeah, going really well. All right, so so before we uh, actually get into the stuff, I want you to tell folks... Because I know you're doing podcast, you're like you're doing more than one podcast at this point. So just quickly tell all the folks where they can find you. Because after they listen to you, they're going to be like, "Oh man, we oh, want to listen to this guy some more." <laughs> They'll be so impressed. They'll be like just getting on all of the things I do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, yeah, I am a busy bee these days. Uh, you can find me at my Twitter account at, at Ashday29. Um, but I do a podcast with my good friend Matt um, called Flyball to the Moon. Uh, we just talk about all things baseball it's great name yeah it was i'll yeah. give that to matt that was matt's idea <laughs> um i came up with the logo very easy to do um but yeah we just talk about all things baseball it's not team orientated um it's just two guys who who love the game uh, we don't even come at it from a particularly british aspect we just want to be the same as everybody else um and we have a good time so yeah that's at flyball to the moon the two is the number two um, and then with a couple of my Giants friends in the UK um, at Splash Hits Pod, um, that's the the UK Giants boys, um, Charlie, Ben, and Dave. Um, you can find us at at Splash Hits Pod, and uh, yeah, we talk all things Giants. Uh, we've all had a little bit of a hiatus lately because we've been so busy with uh, Euro 2020. The, the football, as you can <laughs> see, I'm quite excited for, for tonight. But uh, yeah, it's it's good fun. If anybody has, uh, if you think I sound like I know what I'm talking about tonight, then come and join me at my other podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll try. Uh, Ash is also in our Facebook group. Uh, he posts some of his writings from uh, from time to time in there. And Brad, we're doing it. We're also doing this on the weekend because you're going to be gone for a couple weeks. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to miss you and I'll figure out what to do. I'll bring on some folks and uh, keep your keep your spot nice and warm when you get back. Excellent. But it's vacation season because yes. like you're going to go. Then I'm literally going to go the, the next week. And I think we'll have to go dark for a week. Um, yeah. The wife, the, the, the wife gave me one specific instruction, which is <laughs> no computers and no podcasts. And I and I heard it, too. So, <laughs> Crystal, I heard it very clear. She said it. We were all at uh, lunch in Reno last weekend, and I heard her say no podcasting, which I <laughs> I agree. You need a break. Yes. Need, and I don't do the technical side of things. I mean, I do at work, Yeah. but I don't know the technical podcasting side. So yeah, I'm going to be like, you know, ape on the keyboard if you try to leave me in charge. <laughs> so I don't want to do that. <laughs> All right. So uh, as you can see, uh, if you can follow us at Thompson to Clark on social media, Brad runs about 90% of our Twitter stuff, which is why it's so engaging and charming and funny. Uh, you can oh, also you. you can also search for that same uh, that that same on Instagram, and then search Thompson to Clark on Facebook. And then, obviously, if you're watching this, you're either found our Facebook page or our YouTube page. Hit that subscribe. Uh, we we would like to see those subscriber numbers go up because then we can reach more people and have more fun. So, all right, I'm gonna get rid of this banner. We're gonna hit the uh, we're gonna hit the intro, and then we are gonna get going here. Spadrosian throws to Sandberg, and the pitch is grounded to second base. Thompson has it, throws to first. It's over. Twenty-seven years of waiting have come to an end. The Giants have won the pennant.
The Giants have uh, they haven't officially closed down the first half of, uh, of the baseball season. Uh, but the All-Star break is this weekend. They have one more game, which we will not be able to get to because they will play this game after we are done recording this. But as we sit... The day before the All Star, uh, the the day before the first half ends, the Giants currently sit fifty six and thirty two, six thirty six winning percentage, two games up on the Dodgers, and I think best record in all of baseball. Boston Red Sox fifty five and thirty five would be right behind the Giants, and uh, Houston is fifty four thirty six. So, I think everybody would say this was like the biggest success of, of what we could have <laughs> even imagined. And, uh, you know, Brad and I have talked about this over the, over the whole season so far, but Ash, I want to get your thoughts, which is, you know, going into the season, I think we, we kind of talked a little bit, you know, we were co- very conservative about our thoughts. I think we liked the way that last year, uh, getting, getting the most out of that team, but you know, 56 and 32, did you foresee that for this season? If I had foreseen that, I would have been doing the lottery. And I think I'd be a very good <laughs> friend right now. Um, I just, I, it's just like, it's, it's amazing. Like, I don't think anybody, I mean, I, I was on, uh, I think when I was doing, like, uh, I was writing some preseason prediction stuff. Um, I was going on a podcast here and there where we talked to other Giants fans about what our preseason predictions were. If anybody said, like, yeah, Giants would be first in the division. It was kind of like, <laughs> yeah, good, good one. Like we like the positivity, but like, yeah, come on. Most of us were thinking we just want to be competitive. We want to be 500 or better. You know, keeping pace with the Padres and Dodgers, but to be leading them for such a long time as well. Like I feel like we've been first in the division since May, like or late May, and the Dodgers have got close. Padres haven't really been close, not really. Um, it's been outstanding, really. Uh, Brad, who are you more scared of in the second half, Padres or the Dodgers? Yeah, I. It would be foolish not to say the Dodgers. Um, they don't have Corey Seager still. Uh, he's going to be coming back. Uh, Clayton Kershaw just went on the IL. Who knows? I mean, he'll be coming back at some point. Dustin May is gone for the season, but that is still a dangerous team. And they are a really, really nasty trade deadline team. Mm -hmm. So I think the rest of the season have the Padres kind of uh, spent their their trades. Uh, I mean, the offseason, they did everything, right? Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. they went out and got everybody. Totally. I don't know who else they can give up at this point, but they do have a pretty deep minor league system. But I, but I still have to say the Dodgers because they keep creeping in. You'll, they'll get that half game behind, that one game behind, and then we kind of stretch it out a little bit, and that's happened a couple times this season. But they, they're, they're definitely the scariest team of the two. Yeah, I would agree with you. But I would say the scariest player is still probably Tatis, right? Yeah. Like that, like that guy seems to be the one who would be able to just get crazy hot, put the team on your back, and just go, at least from an offensive standpoint. So I don't want to say that the Padres are uh, in our rearview mirror in any way hmm. because I still think they're talented as all hell. But they've, they've had some struggles with their arms. Blake Snell hasn't pitched very well for them. Um, but I, I would not, I, I would not dismiss them in any way. Um, so Ash, so as we look towards the second half, 
I am the type of person where I feel like if I am so gung-ho about things, I will just jinx them. <laughs> so my predictions are always really conservative. But I think it's really hard now. You can't say that the Giants are not for real, correct? Like, because, you know, you can't do that in the first half of the season. Uh, some people may go, well, you know, in 2016, they had that great first half and then they just fell off completely. But that was a different team. I feel like Zadie's going to be continuing to find guys. They, you know, they brought uh, Joey Bart up yesterday. He got a couple hits. Um, you know, because Posey's still hurt and they have the options to kind of still send him up and back. But do you feel confident in them, maybe not repeating what they did in the first half, but still being, you know, one of the best teams in baseball in the second half? I think I'm, I have very similar feelings to you. If I get too confident, I do feel like it's (laughs) going to come and bite me. So I am very conservative in my predictions. With that said, I do think the Giants have shown they're like they are for real. They, they've done enough. I, and I think the way, maybe not so much in like the opposition they've played, they've played a lot of good teams. They beat a lot of good teams. We've still got a lot of Dodgers and Padres games to go, which I think will ultimately determine how well we finish. But the way I'm looking at it is like this Giants team has been hit by a lot of injuries, as have a, has a lot of teams. The Giants aren't alone in being injury hit this year. But like we're doing so well at the moment and we've got Belt to come back. We've got Longoria to come back. Like we've got Lestella, who we've barely seen. Like Aaron Sanchez barely featured in the rotation. We've got lots of like good guys to come back and be healthy. And so I'm kind of thinking like this team should get better. If anything, like we should be more confident. Now I'm not saying I am because I don't want to jinx it, but like (laughs) there should be a kind of good vibe feeling going into the second half that this team should continue and maybe even continue to get better because we should really get stronger with these additions of the injured guys when they come back. Brad, you and I did some true and false questions uh, now a couple months ago and you calculated and tabulated and algorithmed all the answers for us. It was hard. There was a lot of math involved, (laughs) adding one and one. It was tough. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I, 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 you know, I remember some of the questions, but I want to see how we did on those true false questions. Yeah. Let me, let me see if I could prop this up and make it easier for me to read here. Uh, There we go. So the first, okay. So the first true false that we had, and, and again, we were only 28 games into the season. This was on May 3rd when we did this. Uh, So we still had 61 games to go to get to the, uh, we should be at 89 games, correct? If my math is right after today, you do that math. I don't do math. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I wrote it down here, but I can't tell you if it's right or not. I I will just say yes. Uh, Okay. uh, Perfect. Uh, So the first true false question was uh, Buster Posey had six home runs at that time and he was playing out of his mind. And he still is. Uh, he's injured. Our question was, uh, true or false, Buster Posey will have 15 home runs at the All-Star break. He has 12. So we were both. Uh, so, so the answer to that one was false. Garrett got that one right. I got that one wrong. I said true. He was going to. You know, if he wasn't hurt, maybe he'd, he'd have 13, 14. He'd be right yeah, on that. Too. Yeah, and I think I think that's where I was sitting. Like, eh, you know, he, he'll, he'll probably have, you know, over double digits for sure. But. You know, will, will he get to 15? I, I think some of that was because he had just gone on like a binge. Because Buster Posey's never right. been a binge home run hitter. He's always mm-hmm. been, you know, high average, high OBP. But when it came to home runs, I think it was, what, 2012 may have been his uh, biggest home run season. 
and I don't think he hit 30 that year. He probably was in the high 20s. So, um, you know, I, I think he's – I think – he can get to the high teens. Maybe he can get to 20 if he goes on a hot streak, but he's just generally not a home run hitter like you would think of home run hitters. But then again, neither is Brandon Crawford, and he's going to hit like 30 home runs this year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, question number two, uh, the Giants were six games over on May 3rd. True or false, the Giants will be 10 or more games over, and we both said true. Good on so, us. I, I, that one was a little easy, yeah. but we it was May 3rd. We didn't still quite know what type of team we had. The rot- yeah, it was very early. The, the rotation looked good. Uh, offense looked decent enough to score runs. And, and so I think both of us saying 10 games or more over, I think we were looking more like 10, maybe 11 games over. Uh, we're 24 games. Over yeah, we could have right gone now. double. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we both got that one right. Here's it. <laughs> this, this one, you, you take it as it is. Uh, I said uh, true on this one is the answer right now. Will Joey Bart be up at the All-Star break? Wow. <laughs> there you go. He's up. He is. <laughs> he's not, right. Yeah, but he's not up to stay, but I didn't put that in there. So, yeah. you know, uh, I said false. Uh, Garrett said false. We both got that one wrong. But uh, we missed it by two days. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then the second part of that question, will, uh, will Elio Ramos be up? Uh, I said yes. I thought at this point we would have some trouble in the outfield. Um, We have had trouble in the outfield, but we didn't quite expect on May 3rd for Duggar and Slater to be who they were or who they are right now. Um, They really have kind of come through for the Giants and to be able to platoon those guys. And uh, Yaz is starting to turn it up a little bit. Um, Dickerson is still kind of doing his thing, hitting the two twenties, but you know, he's got the power. He's very dangerous. Um, now you've got, uh, um, Estrada who can play some outfield. Uh, so, so, you know, that, that was kind of my prediction was that we were going to be having some issues in the outfield and we needed a punch. We needed a, a, a you know, kind of a punch of youth in there, a guy who was exciting. Uh, I thought we'd be closer to maybe like three games out, four games out of first place. And that would give us that boost. So that's why I gave that answer. Can I, can I ask Ash a question? Because I, I was watching the game with my dad on, would have been Thursday. No, it would have been Friday. And so we were watching and I was like, it's kind of amazing because, you know, three, four, five years ago, we were all hoping that Duggar and Slater would be ballplayers for us. Like they were kind of, you know, in, in our prospects list, Sl- uh, Duggar more so than Slater. I think Duggar was, you know, one of our top prospects, actually. And it's kind of amazing that those guys stuck around like the Giants never gave up on those guys. And now they're paying dividends in 2021. And, you know, Slater is turned into, you know, Dave Kingman with a batting average. Like he's hitting mammoth home runs. I don't know where this is coming from. Um, but what do you what do you think about those guys, Ash? Because you follow this stuff pretty closely on, on that end, too. You know, what do you think about guys who are no who, who you wouldn't even consider prospects anymore because of their age? turning into good baseball players who are actually helping this team win it's really uh it's just really nice to see like long-term guys who've been in the system for a while that have like 
you know drifted in and out of the lineup now are really contributing like Duggar is the the big example of that and Slater as well like I think in spring training none of us were talking about Duggar really featuring on this team this year if we were talking about the outfield we were talking about guys like Elliot Ramos like we weren't talking about Duggar um my last Giants game in April 2019 I saw Duggar he was in the lineup then and he got a hit that night and I was like great like maybe this will Mm -hmm. kickstart him and again didn't really work out he drifted in and out of the lineup as he has but to see him perform the way he has this year has been I mean he's just one of many great players who had such a great year um Slater I think there was a little bit more buzz about in the spring um I know I was kind of predicting him to be like our leader in stolen bases because I was Mm -hmm. and I think he's up there I think he's maybe tied with Crawford for the, the lead of stolen bases on the team um he's had some teething problems this year with the average but like you said when he hits he really hits like those tape measure home runs he seems to be coming into form at just the right time like when when we need him with uh topman going on the injured list and you know another gap in the outfield that needs to be filled slater comes back and he's contributing in a big way so it's it's really great i think we all want the new shiny toy we all want the prospect to get called up and see them do great but it's really i think it's really satisfying to see guys who've been in the system for a long time do that job and do it really well because i think it's 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 really nice to to root for them especially when they've had their down days when they finally have great days it feels even better and Brad, I want to follow up with you on that because we spent the whole year last year when we started this podcast talking about how the guys who were not on the major league roster, they couldn't do much, right? Like it was basically a year off, but those guys are, you would consider them vets now. You wouldn't even consider them young players. And they, it looks like, I, I mean, I don't have any inside information about what those two guys specifically did, but you know, they stayed, they stayed ready. I'm sure that, you know, they, they were on, they were on the team last year too, but just so right. much influx of, you know, if you're you're trying to get better and you're going through a pandemic and so the coaching is different and, you know, the 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 one on one time that you could have or or, or multiple coaches, the Giants have like 37 coaches, um, you know, the, the, that that was a, a big deal. And yet these two guys were able to, you know, be professionals and, and come ready to play. I think that's also the most impressive thing to me is they took advantage of last year when it seems like last year was uh, really hard for, for guys to get better. Well, and, and it seems like you got a couple of guys too, who really kind of latch on to coaching staffs uh, are coachable players. And, and and I think that's what the giants really are looking for right now, especially when they're searching the waiver wire. Uh, Zadie does such a fantastic job with the waiver wire. And, and I'm sure that's probably one of his number one things. Is this a coachable guy or is this a guy who's going to kind of get stuck in his ways and say, this is how I hit. This is my swing. This is my stance. Please don't try to fix it. I'm going to, I'm going to get there eventually. Uh, I'm going to be that guy eventually, but, but with the giants coaching staff, they have so much analytics now. Uh, it's a different world uh, for us old school guys too. I mean, this is, I'm still getting used to the whole, you know, there's a, a tweak in the stance. And I mean, look at Brandon Crawford veteran, 34 years old tweak in the stance and look at the season he's having. So I'm sure other guys like Duggar and Slater see that and say, <laughs> 
we better get on board because we've got a spot in this outfield. If we do get on board, um, j- just for reference too, for everybody out there, uh, Slater was drafted 2014. Duggar was 2015. So we got, we got guys who have been in the league for six and seven years uh, and starting to kind of come around. That doesn't happen. Like you said, that just doesn't happen. Um, what, what was the wonderful theory I saw on Twitter? It was about two weeks ago. There was a Padre fan who, who has uh, decided that the Giants are so good right now, they have to be stealing signs. <laughs> so, so that way, and that that went around on Twitter for quite a while until everybody just kind of shut that down. And then Yaz played into yeah. it the other night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that was fantastic. His post game afterwards was just so good when he said, "You know, we're in the entertainment business." So I'm gonna I'm gonna entertain a little bit, and that that was that was really a, a fun exchange. Uh, I love to see that in baseball. And then nobody got nobody got thrown at and and all that stuff. It was just, you know, here it is. But but yeah, I, I mean, it, having that outfield and having a couple extra guys like that who are getting on board is is really exciting, and that's what makes this team so good. That depth. So Slater did have he had more at bats than I thought last year. He had, he had 100, a little bit over 100, but Duggar only had 36 at bats last year with the big team. So. Yeah. Um all right, what's the did, did, did we have we had a oh, couple yeah, yeah. more, right? Yeah. So um Let's see. Oh, here you go. Brandon Belt was hitting 203 on May 3rd. <laughs> Notorious slow starter. I mean, we we you know, that's not out of the ordinary. Yeah. And I said, true or false, all-star break, Brandon Belt will be hitting 280 or higher. Um, I said false. So I was right. You said false. You were right. But he did get more than halfway there. And if he didn't get hurt and he went on another hot streak, who knows? He's hitting 253 right now. So, um, so yeah, more, more than halfway jump up. We knew he was going to be hitting higher than 203. But with Brandon Belt, I'm sorry, Garrett, but you never know if he's going to be hitting 220 or do 7280. So that was a fair question. And th- that, you know, not a lot is being said about how he actually got hurt. Mm-hmm. But I would kind of mark that one down as old. Like <laughs> older guys get hurt like that. You yeah, know, unless I'm, it's I'm a hurting f- really bad right here, right now, <laughs> just for no reason. I slept weird. So, yes, I know. I mean, you know, younger players can have, you know, these little freak injuries. I don't know if anybody watched the the UFC last night, but poor Conor McGregor took a step backwards and his ankle just collapsed. Oh, God. And it's like, you know, he was losing the fight. But like just, you know, there can be freak stuff like that. But it just seemed like I was like, oh, man, Brandon's getting up there and he's trying to unhitch that trailer and he's starting and stopping and then he comes up lame and i I felt i mean i felt bad for him because like nobody likes he likes to get hurt like that well and he's a big dude so when you're starting and stopping and you're you know lanky and weird left-hander sorry ash but that's (laughs) (laughs) you're a lefty right all right Oh, I thought, you were, I thought you were a lefty. My bad. I take no offense. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean that the you know the goofy-footed players is what we call them. The, you know, he's he's just a big, lanky dude. Yeah. So I'm I'm five eight. I like to say I'm probably shorter than five eight. But and and when I was playing, I was about 160, 165. So starting and stopping for me is no problem. I'm low to the ground. That's not an issue. I can't imagine tacking on another foot to my body and trying to <laughs> stop on a dime. I, I would tear something. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunate. Um, all right. Was there another yeah, one? I got one more. Uh, at least one of these will be traded true or false. Wood, 
Disco, Sanchez, or Cueto. None of them, actually, thankfully, at this point of the season, have been traded. Um, Sanchez might be showcased coming yeah. up soon once he comes off the uh, IL. Cueto could possibly be a candidate. Um, the Giants are thin with their starting pitching, so maybe none of them go. Uh, but I said true that one of them would be traded. I was wrong. Uh, you said false. You were correct. So overall, the whole thing, you got five of the six. I got two of the six. So. <laughs> that is called lucky guesses. No, no. <laughs> Um, all right, so uh, let's actually look toward the second half of this season a little bit more. And um, Brad and I had this conversation on the last show, but I want to ask Ash, what do you think the Giants need? Like, if you were to target, you know, one or two spots, like, okay, you know, we have the trade deadline. Um, there's a possibility for certain players maybe out there. Like, what would you target to add to this team to whether it's for a depth, whether it's for, you know, we need one player here that's going to actually be somebody who produces for us because we play the Dodgers and the Padres a lot. I think the uh, I'm always whenever like potential trade scenarios come along, I always think back first. I always want to improve the lineup some way. But actually, in this instance, I probably would leave that alone. I do think the Giants have enough depth in the lineup that they can kind of get by um, more so, more, you know, as they're proving very well, they're getting by just fine. Um, At the beginning of the season, I would have said bullpen because the bullpen was the big struggle in April. But then by May, things started to kind of, work themselves out and now McGee is like back as the closer and Rogers is still great. Like Rogers is still basically unhittable. So I don't really think they need to tweak the bullpen, although I would not be surprised if they add a, a veteran piece to that just to make us a little bit stronger. What I'm seeing um, a lot of people discuss is the rotation. I keep seeing people mention about us adding another arm in the rotation, which I'm not really against. I think Gaussman, Di Sclafani, Brilliant. Absolutely. You know, you got your one and two. They're fantastic. I think Wood has been a little bit up and down, but good lately. I think um, on the whole, he's been pretty solid. Cueto, I think, is still a bit of an enigma, but he's been, if you, if you just look at his first half numbers on the whole, they're fine. Like, if, if, if he's your number four starter, I think you take that. I know he's getting paid more than maybe a number four starter would <laughs> be, but like he's doing a good job, I think. Um, I think that fifth spot has been a rotation of like Webb when he's healthy. We've had Sammy Long jump in there. We've played with openers and stuff like that. But I think if they wanted to just really bolster the rotation, then maybe that's a piece they look for at the trade deadline. If they could get a three or four guy, that would just make the rotation like so good. Um, so- yeah. Let, let's talk about Webb for a second, because he came back the other night through three innings uh, outside of a Solano muff on a ground ball, which I was just like, can, can you charge the ball a little bit? <laughs> just, just like one step, you would have got it nice and easy hop. Oh, he's an old guy, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, he looked great. And now it's all of a sudden, you know, I'm just hearing this stuff about, oh, you know, Logan Webb, and he's gonna, you know, he's got this two seamer that's nuts, and you know, he made Soto look really bad, and you know, I, I like that. Obviously, he's still a young guy, but like Ash said, you know, I would be a little bit more confident in maybe a veteran guy there rather than you know risking somebody like uh, 
somebody like Webb to, you know, not not saying that he can't do well, but he's never been there before, I guess, is, is the thing. And then, you know, we saw Tyler Beattie yesterday and he gave up three runs in the one inning that he pitched. Probably not the answer there. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just interested in what you guys think about Webb. Could he be the guy who cements that the that end like like is he all of a sudden you know oh wow when you have logan webb as your fifth starter you're doing pretty well brad what do you think about him you know i i i would roll with him the rest of the season um he he had that just absolutely ridiculous spring i what did he give up like a run in 18 innings or something like that struck out like 25, 26 batters. I don't remember the exact stats, but I'm afraid if we were to go for a three or four, number three, you know, number two, number three, number four guy, Logan Webb would be in those talks. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I'd want to swap that out for somebody else. Um, Again, we talked about this on the last show with starting pitching, you kind of have to you you've got to get in there and only every other fifth day do you have a chance the rest of the season to buy into the giants pitching staff philosophy uh, and, and I think that's a hard thing to do for a starting pitcher again who's set in their ways things are different now it's not like you just I'm going to go get Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson is Randy Johnson. And when he comes to us, he's going to continue to be Randy Johnson. Well, the Giants are going to go out and if they trade for a a starting pitcher, they may say, we want you to do this. We see this pitch. We see that pitch. And if a guy's not open to it, you spent a lot to get this guy. And, and, and do you have a chance? I mean, they, they just, don't have that chance to interview him before they make a trade for him and ask him if you come over here, are you willing to change this or that use this pitch more, uh, put a little bit more rotation on this pitch um, instead of pitching inside so much pitch outside the lefties and, and whatnot, just a bunch of examples. So, so I think it's a little bit harder to go after a starting pitcher. I would love to see it. I think we need that, but but I'm afraid a Logan Webb type of player would be in those talks, and I, I don't think I want to give him up. Okay, but not saying that this is going to happen. We brought mm-hmm. this up last week, but I want to ask Ash. You know, there is a Max Scherzer kind of guy out there. Now, the, the Nationals are actually playing halfway decent, so maybe they don't give up on the season. But he's a free agent, and he's you know he made something like thirty million a year. Um, maybe because he is a rental, you wouldn't have to give up as much. But you would put a Logan Webb in in a talk for Max Scherzer if the idea is we're going after it and we're going to try to win the World Series. It would have to be more than just Logan Webb. But you'd be comfortable putting him in that kind of trade talk. I'm assuming. I think the. I think, yeah, if, if you could get someone like a Scherzer or even like a John Gray from the Rockies, who may even be more attainable, um, I think if the I think it depends on how the front office look at it. Do they think this year is like a, do we go all in and capitalize on this amazing first half and like we are World Series contenders? I think if they are strong in their conviction that that is the case, then they maybe pull the trigger. I think the example I could think of is someone like Jake Peavy in 2014. Like if they get a shot in the arm, like Jake Peavy, provided when he joined in 2014 like if they get that and push through the second half like that that's i think that's what they want in if they're going to upgrade the rotation that's the kind of impact they want to have um a scherzer 
I think would definitely give you that, or you'd like to think anyway on paper. Um, giving up web for someone like that, I, that's it. You're, you're giving up long-term for a short-term game. Gain. Uh, I mean, I'm glad I'm not in that position that has to make that, <laughs> that choice. But yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's hard, isn't it? Like we're all enjoying what we've got so far. Do we want to take the risk and spin the wheel and see if we can improve or will it upset the balance? It's, it's so difficult. But yeah. I, I love the idea of a Max Scherzer on the Giants personally. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. I And, you know, we, we've we've been in this spot before, right? We can go back to 2011 trading for Carlos Beltran and giving away our top prospect. And Beltran plays really well when he's with us, but he gets hurt. Um, and the Giants don't actually make the playoffs. So that's that's a, something that you see and you go, well, that, that, that would make us a little apprehensive to do it. But, you know, they have all of these young players. Um, and, and, you know, you look at those lists um, – what, who, who the athletic the, the the Giants writer for the Athletic who covers the minors, uh, Melissa I forget her last name, but she does a great job of of basically showing you know what these guys are doing. You know they they've got depth at catcher, they've got uh, lots of young young players in San Jose and in Eugene who seem to be tearing the ball or tearing the cover off the ball. So you know I imagine those are attractive, but Zadie I think probably better than most GMs knows his own guys. And I think I read a quote somewhere where, you know, they said like the whole thing about is you got to know your guys better than the other teams know your guys. And so that's where you can show, you know, you know, the value. So um, it's going to be interesting, but they have not, you know, it's been a while since we've been, uh, we've been, we've been buyers, I would say at the deadline, right? Because in, in another season, the giants are 56 and, and 32 at uh, almost the all-star break. They're probably ten to fifteen games, uh, you know, in first place. But this year's not that year because you have the Dodgers and the Padres right there. So, it's, the, the, I mean, the, the trade deadline I think is going to be pretty fascinating yeah. for us. Yeah. Okay. 2016, so. probably right. I'm sure that was the last time we had any interesting buyer moves at the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, and we still could not trade for a closer (laughs) (laughs) nope um okay because we bought a closer in the offseason yeah 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 yeah. he he was he he, now all of a sudden he's he's good again (laughs) now he's a closer yeah that season he wasn't okay so let's look at the playoff odds because i think this is interesting I, i i would say that most of these guys who who do these odds or who who look at this stuff they're probably conservative on the Giants just because, you know, we don't have the flashy names like the Dodgers. We don't have the guys, you know, like a Tatis on the Padres. And it's really the sum of the guys that that makes the Giants, you know, really good. What what are the playoff odds currently right now, Brad? All right. So the playoff odds for the San Francisco Giants, we are at 89.4%. I looked up. So and anybody who's listening, probably I don't gamble. I live in a gambling town, but I don't <laughs> gamble. So I, I don't understand. They use the Monte Carlo method to uh, to come up with these odds. Again, I don't I don't really know what that means, but looking at it, it's just basically a bunch of statistics that they throw out there. And then they and then they also look at 
the depth chart of the team. So if so-and-so gets hurt, do they have somebody who can, they can plug in, they look at the depth chart, they look at the minor league system and, uh, and, and then it's betting odds the rest of the season. One thing that has not moved for us um, since June 13th. So on June, on June 13th, we had a 50% odd of making the playoffs. On June 13th, the Giants were 40 and 25. They were 15 games over 500, and they were a game. They had a game lead over the Dodgers and a three-game lead over the Padres. So one thing that hasn't changed is respect. So basically, they're looking at this team all the way back at June 13th and saying 50% odds to make it. Now they're only 89%. The Padres have a 93% chance of making the playoffs, and the Dodgers have a 99.4% chance. That only changed for them. It dropped down to 94.2 on May 10th. But since then, it's just been steady in the like 97 to 99% range. Um, back on April 9th, we only had a 3.4% chance of making the playoffs, and we were 4-3 and three and a game and a half out of first place. Um, non-believers back then. We all believed, right? <laughs> we went back when we were four and three. We said, we're going to go on this tear. No, nobody knew that. Um, so so anyway, that's where we're at right now. The, the other interesting one, this one, this one's really weird. I, I don't understand quite exactly how this one happens, but the Giants right now are, uh, let's see, they have uh, projected rest of the season. Th this one doesn't change. I keep watching this one weekly. So the Giants right now, uh, 56 and 32 um, in first place. And they're projected the rest of the season to go 500. Every week that stays at 500. That doesn't get better than that. So the odds makers keep saying the Giants are just going to go 500 the rest of the season. We can go on a five-game winning streak and they'll still have us going 500 the rest of the season. Uh, and, and with a run differential of negative one between now and the rest of the season. So, uh, but, but either way, they still have us uh, finishing um, near the top, but the Dodgers in all of the models pretty much are, are, are looking like they're going to win the West, and that's pretty much what they're showing the entire time. Yeah, and if you look at the current wild card standings, Giants, Dodgers, San Diego, whatever comes out of that, um, the next closest team is already four and a half games behind San Diego. So Giants are uh, several games above San Diego, and then the, the next is Cincinnati. And then Atlanta, who's only playing 500 baseball and just lost their uh, you know, one of the best players in the league. That sucked. Yeah. Yeah, in uh, Cunha, um, you know, they're at 500. So I think when it comes to I mean, maybe Cincinnati catches fire and all of a sudden, you know, because they're they're they've won eight out of their last 10. Um, but Atlanta, like Philadelphia, these other teams that are kind of behind San Diego in the wild card race, Philadelphia, Chicago, St. Louis, uh, Washington, Colorado, they're all of their their run differentials are, are in the negative. So they would have to play particularly uh, much better baseball in the second half, catch fire. The one interesting team is the Marlins, who are 38 and 50, but somehow have a plus 14 run differential, which is kind of weird. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, so unless the Giants just 
S the bed like <laughs> you know they, they should make the playoffs and it's kind of yeah. hard to say that you know with so many games left but you know there's I, I would I would have less faith in that if I thought that there was a team below San Diego in the wild card standings right now that is kind of like that team that is ready to bust out I just don't see it yet so no. well that's something that we're going to keep an eye on for the rest do, of the season do you guys really want to get angry yes because here's here are our Current odds to win the National League West, uh, 13.5% chance to win the National League West. <laughs> well, On July 1st, 5.3% chance. That's right okay. after that, uh, those those couple of Dodger losses. We, we dropped down to 5.3% chance to win the West. <laughs> we, we, we need to get you to go to uh, your favorite casino and see what the odds are for some of that stuff. We might you know have to throw I, a couple bucks on that. I probably should. And I did that, uh, you know, living here. I, I walked into the, the I'm not going to oh, give them a plug, the Tamarack Junction, which is like this little cool. It's a little I mean, it's Reno. It's not Vegas. We, we have little podunk casinos but but it's this little place and i went in and it was like the giants were i think 20 to 1 odds to win uh to win the world series and i was like oh cool i'll put down 10 bucks and uh and they won the world series and i won 200 but uh, and now and then i was like why didn't i put down 200 (laughs) but but, you know at the time i think my wife and i just like had gone there for dinner i was like oh cool 10 bucks yeah we you know we score a couple more runs and, and we can win the world series. We're a good team. Um, and so that helped, but yeah, I should go in because if they're still not respecting us, I think now would be a good time to put mm-hmm. down like yeah. $20, $30 on us to win the world series. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So for the rest of this show, I wanted to talk about the all-star game. I know I, mm-hmm. I talked before Brad, before you jumped on Ash and I were talking a little bit, about uh you know kind of the romanticism of the all-star game a celebration of baseball and when we were growing up brad the national league absolutely could not lose the all-star game (laughs) right they won every single year it it, it seemed like i'm gonna go all the way back so from 1972 to 1982. By the by, the way, I wasn't born yet. In no, 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 we we weren't just, born yet. But no, it's it's being so old. I like to just when you throw out years, <laughs> and and I haven't been born yet. I like to say I haven't because there aren't many left for the record nowadays. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but that but the reason why I bring that up is because the year that the American League breaks the streak, the Giants' representative. <laughs> For that game, don't do it. They actually have three. They actually have three guys who 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 make the team for for them: Daryl Evans, Gary Lavelle, and Atlee Hamaker. Mm-hmm. And it is you know one of the more famous moments in All Star Game history because this happened. Fred Lynn first Grand Slam in All Star Game history off of Atlee Hamaker. So. 1983 would be the season where I kind of start paying attention to baseball. I'm like seven years old, but 1984 is the year that I am full bore, 100% (laughs) focused on stats, baseball cards, everything, right? And so I go to that game. It's in San Francisco. My dad somehow got us tickets. It was windy as all hell at Candlestick. (laughs) Like, not a great timeout, you know, just kind of... 
just cold and windy. Anybody who's been to Candlestick Park know that. But <laughs> I got to see this guy, Doc Gooden, throws two throws two innings. Uh, let me actually let me I'm, I'm going to pull up that box score. Uh, so um, Fernando Valenzuela comes in after uh, Charlie Lee. He throws two innings, three strikeouts. Doc Gooden comes in, throws two innings, three strikeouts. Now, the thing that I remember, and I, you know, I, I'm not even going to look this up because if if it didn't happen this way, then I'm going to be sad. <laughs> but from what I remember is that in the the last inning that Valenzuela threw, he struck out the side, and then the first inning that Gooden through he struck out the side so i feel like there was like six strikeouts in a row in that game and and again i'm not looking it up because if it didn't happen then my you know my memory and all that stuff sucks um so we go to uh so 1984 they would have the the national league wins and so then we go 95 they win again do you remember brad who the representative would have been in 1985. Now, the Giants are, I think, the worst team in baseball this season in 1985. 85, uh, I, and I have all the stuff up on another screen, but but I haven't gotten to 85 yet because my, my first big memory was 86, and we're mm-hmm. going to get to that. But, mm-hmm. but 85, Jack Clark? No, it's not Jack no. Clark because he would have been traded that season, I oh. believe. That would have been the season that they traded. Yeah. Ash, That's do right. you know? I know you're. this is a little reaching deep for you because you, you were not even uh, alive at this point, right? Was not. That's correct. No. <laughs> so without you seeing my shuffling hands moving around, I've never heard of this player. Okay, great. Okay, cool. so you know what it is. I'll let, I'll let you give it, it out. I'm going to give Brad one clue. Okay. Glasses. Mm, uh, glasses. It's either Scott Gereltz. That's who it is. That's who it is. All right. I was going to say Scott Gereltz or I think Gary Lavelle also wore glasses. Or Fred Brenning also wore <laughs> Fred Brenning. Dark glasses, yes. <laughs> that's a, he, that's had big, he had the big aviator, like regular glasses, but they were just dark tinted. Like the worst look you could possibly ever have for a baseball player. And he wore it well. Okay, so let's uh, let, let's go to 1980. So the Giants, they, they were the worst team. You know, you still have to have, like Scott Gerelts was not an all star, but you had to have one player from <laughs> yeah. each team. Is so, that still a rule? I think so. I think, I, yeah, I think it, yeah, I think it's still a rule. Yeah. Um, he was their closer. I want to say he had like less than 20 saves all year long. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's let's fast forward to 86, and then we'll skip. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll skip. Through because then all of a sudden the American League just starts winning every single game. Oh, god, yeah. So, 1986, it is at the Astrodome. The Giants have uh, two, uh, three players go to the all star game that season. That is uh, Kruko's one game. He talked about this game on a broadcast recently. He was saying how you know it's just all adrenaline. He's like, This is one of the times in your career when you're just pumping on adrenaline you only got one inning you throw it as hard as you can and he said that you know that's the one memory was just the, the adrenaline piece so mike kruko chili davis and chris brown yes former third baseman not the singer. Uh, uh, yeah not the singer <laughs> um, nope <laughs> makes the all-star game and uh, i'll let you talk about this brad and then i'll yeah. tell my memory of this game 
So the so the cool thing so that was Astrodome, right? Yes. Was that Astrodome. okay? Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, to showcase a game in the Astrodome, come on. MLB needed to do better because anytime you had like a big game in the Astrodome, it was just that awful looking turf and that horrible atmosphere, no sunlight. It was just awful. But but I do remember. So Chris Brown got a knock, scored a run, and that, and that was a year we go. Hey, we got this great ball player chris brown he's going to be like the third baseman of the future the next 12 years he's going to be the giants third baseman i think after that that was pretty much it i mean that was like his highlight he had a hit in the all-star game but i remember also thinking like oh i have a bunch of his baseball cards he he had a good all-star game it the the numbers on those cards are going to go up right because every time something like that happened we go oh instead of it being worth a buck now it's worth like two bucks where we <laughs> got very excited uh but yeah that 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 game i do remember so that was like the first game i remember watching uh, the first all-star game i remember watching on tv uh which is weird because i was so into baseball before that but i think so the so the all-star game falls around my birthday um and when you're a kid, your birthday is kind of a big deal. So a lot of times it was like we were camping or we were doing something different for that week. So I was never around the TV. But, yeah, I do remember that. I remember Chili Davis getting the pinch um, pinch hit appearance, didn't do anything. I remember Kruko pitching. Uh, and, and, again, like you and I have talked about, Garrett, that, that was kind of the first year for our generation yep. where we experienced winning. Yep. Like, this. oh, this is what a pennant race looks like because before that we didn't have any of that stuff um so so to have three representatives in the all-star game it was a pretty exciting time okay so here's what i remember about the game chris brown has has the big hit like Mm -hmm. like you said um and then uh we i think it's the ninth inning i don't even remember who's pitching for the american league but chris brown comes up again and the the you know there's a runner on and we're thinking like oh man you know maybe he gets a big hit and we win the game and my dad goes no nah, he's gonna ground into double play next pitch boom double play game <laughs> over like right. what the heck <laughs> like man now, I I do remember that now yes <laughs> all right so let let's fast forward um, I want to go to uh, ninety four so. Yeah. Uh, Bonds comes to the Giants, right? So he they, they play the 93 game in Camden Yards. He gets a couple hits. I think he gets, hits like a triple. Um, but from 98 through 93, American League wins every single game. 94, National League finally wins. But the reason why I remember 94 so well is because of the Home Run Derby. Now, the Home Run Derby... Um, doesn't become this gigantic TV event uh, until a few years later. But I remember Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire going head-to-head in the Home Run Derby and Bonds beating Big Mac. Now, Big Mac is with the A's at this point, so this is not the Cardinals version of of Big Mac. Uh, And that is like like a very memorable moment for me because Bonds and McGuire, like, think about that. Like, it's, it's, you know... Uh, four years, th- four years before you know McGuire just starts going nuts, right? With in the steroid era and all that stuff, um, and but Bonds, you know, it's not. It, it, we're not talking about uh, Balco Barry. We're talking about Skinny Barry yeah. at this point, and he beats Big Mac in this home run derby. Uh, and I want to mention uh, kind of a cheap plug here. Um, so for for Monday's home run derby, where it's Shohei, it's going to be the Otani show. I hope oh, he, I hope oh, he yeah. produces. Oh, 
So yeah. my the the sister uh, YouTube channel that I run is called Fight Game Media. We cover MMA, we cover boxing, we cover pro wrestling. But I'm kind of branching off into doing certain sporting events. This is going to be our first experiment. So nice. we're doing the uh, Home Run Derby. We're going to do a live stream nice. similar to this on the other channel. And I'm going to have, you know, three or four guys. One one of the, guy, one of the guys uh, blogs for the Red Sox. Others are just like giant baseball fans. We're going to kind of watch the Home Run Derby. Maybe we'll probably get through maybe an hour, hour and a half. We're not going to get through the whole thing because they stretch the hell out of that oh, thing. yes. It's just, you know, how many back, 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 gones are we going to hear? But, you know, it's it's Otani. It's Soto. Uh, Sal, Sal, uh, Salvador Perez, He he's having a really strong home run season. Alonzo, who won the last one. Joey Gallo, who swings out of his shoes. Trevor Story, who I saw in Colorado, or I saw in Arizona. He was playing for Colorado. Um, I just went to the game, what would have been Wednesday, Wednesday day game. Diamondback Stadium is is, is a very nice park. It's just yeah. very quiet in there. Um, Matt Olson <laughs> and, uh, and Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini has a great story. So if you want to check it out, Go to uh, just search in YouTube for Fight Game Media. We have that queued up. It'll we'll, we're going to go live right at the beginning of the home run derby. We're going to we're going to watch the derby. We're going to just going to talk baseball. We're going to talk first half. We're going to talk Vlad Guerrero. We're going to talk Otani. We're going to talk you know some of the stuff that we talk here, but more so from like a, a more national baseball perspective than just nice. you know, the Giants. So, all right. So, um, Ash, what is your first All Star Game memory? So. It's funny. So I started to get into baseball properly around like 2008. I got into it more. Like, I started to discover it prop, uh, around like late 2007. So I missed the All-Star Game in San Francisco in 2007, yeah. which I'm really sad about. But yeah, so 2008 onwards, I started to pay attention to All-Star Games. Um, they used to show them on a channel here called Channel 5. Um, so it'd be on at like midnight and I'd be able to watch them. And then I went to university. And even though I'd stay up late, it was for other reasons. I wasn't watching baseball as much uh, for, during university. <laughs> Only when I finished studying as a student, I, uh, I started to pay more attention. I think the first proper All-Star game I got really excited for was actually 2013. And I think it was uh, it was the Mets. It was in New York, and Matt mm. Harvey was the starter. And that was like the big buzz was around Matt Harvey starting for the Mets in City Field. Um, and there was a lot of hype and hoopla around that and how he got on. Um, so yeah, it's it's I I have a, a real fond relationship with the All Star Game. Um, a lot of people do kind of. I find people are quite dismissive about it these days. Um, you know, it's 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 a luxury that a lot of players could do without. They'd rather have their rest. Um, but I really like to see it as like a celebration of all that's great with the game. And I like how it comes mid-season. We get this little break, and you get the home run derby and everything. Um, so it makes me sad when players drop out because I kind of my time to watch baseball is pretty limited given that most games start at midnight. <laughs> so right. if I get to watch one game a year where I get to see Trout, I get to see right. Tani and so on. Like, you know, I get to see all the stars in one place at one time because I can't watch all the games live all the time. I wish I could, but I like to, so to see them all in one place, that's really nice for me. And, and I think international fans probably have a, a stronger feeling towards the all-star game than maybe some Americans might who have it every year. But um, yeah, I, I, re I really like it. And I have, I only have great 
fond memories of the all-star game i will try and make the effort to stay up as often as i can for it um this year i'll probably watch it on on repeat the next day um given that posey now won't be playing given his his injury um i really hope crawford gets into the game at some point that will make my day but uh yeah i probably will watch it on on repeat the next day this year you know the way that you just described watching baseball was kind of how Brad and I grew up, which is, you know, you'd have some weekend baseball games. They even tried like a Monday night baseball thing, (laughs) like on ABC, like around that time or maybe a little bit before, like maybe in the early 80s. But that that's what the All-Star game was for me, too. When I was growing up, I was like, oh, I get to see all the best players. I barely get to watch my team on the road. Yeah. That's how they would only they would only show Giants games on the road because you didn't want to impact your home, yeah. you, you know, your home sale ticket sales. But I could never see the Minnesota Twins play like they were never going to be the national broadcast game. Right. Yeah. So to see it's like, oh, you know, I don't, I'm trying to think of who would have been like 1985 Minnesota Twins. But, you know, whoever that was like, oh, yeah, I have his baseball card. Now Kirby, I can Kirby see Puckett. Play. Well, Puckett, yeah. If if Puckett yeah. was eighty five, yeah, definitely I think he was eighty five, yeah, eighty six, eighty seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but guys like that, like you, you really did get to see. Oh, that's what Tom Hankey looks like. That's how he. <laughs> that's how he throws. I only see these gaudy save stats, but now I can see him actually throw. So it's very similar to how we grew up watching. Is how you kind of have to watch it. Uh, so that's why it was always like I think I had taped. I want to say eighty five through like. Uh, probably for like 13 or 14 years, I taped every game just to have it on VHS um, just because it was kind of cool to do. But, you know, then not like I was getting back and rewatching them, you know, uh, <laughs> as I got older. Uh, but well, I kinda, now on YouTube, you can punch them up. Yeah, so. you can yeah. punch them up. Yeah. Um, but I always kind of wanted them. It's like, oh, you know, the kids. But the kids are like, why well, do I want to watch a game from 25 years ago? <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I want to ask Ash so that he he remembers that game very well. Twenty thirteen. Do you remember who the Giants' representatives were in that game? So it was before I had nailed my colors to the Giants' mass. I wasn't a, a diehard oh, Giants fan right. back yeah. then, but it probably would have been. I mean, surely twenty thirteen. We're looking at Posey. Um, I don't know if Belt would have made the cut by then. Um, Belt we'll, doesn't make the All Star team until 2016. I could cheat and look it up. I'm going to go off my, <laughs> I'm gonna go off my brain. So I'm going to thinking. I'm thinking it's like Posey. Um, Pence was there then. It was not Pence. I don't think Pence made an All Star team on the, so a bit on later. the Giants. Yeah. Kane was still around then. Kane would have been the year before. He made it 2012. He made, yeah. he made two All Star teams, uh, 2011 and 2012. Yeah, I remember Pablo made 2012. I don't know if he made 2013. 2012 was the Giants' show. That was. I yeah. remember randomly. I remember Melky Cabrera making the 2012. Yeah, he won. He won the team. MVP of the game. Did he? I yeah. yeah, I remember him making a big impact. That is probably why, because he and then he got his suspension, and we just <laughs> yeah. drifted into the ether. <laughs> pa- pa- Pablo Sandoval might be the greatest All Star player of all time. Three yes. for four in two All Star games. <laughs> Jeez, with with four RBI, uh, a triple, and a double. That guy knows how to make an impact. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so 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 the players were you got you got Posey. Yeah. The, the, the reason why I, I picked I, I wanted to ask you is because it's kind of random. 
Marco Scudero makes oh, the team. Oh, I'm glad for him. Sergio Romo makes the team, and it was uh, the first of Bumgarner making the team uh, four years in a row. Wow. Jeez. So I want to throw some random all-star guys at you. Um, so mentioned a belt season. So in 2016, Cueto makes the team. Buster makes the team. Brandon Belt makes the team. Madison Bumgarner makes the team. 2015. This is I, I completely forgot about this one. This that that would be the first year that that Crawford makes the game. Crawford would also make the game in 2018. So 2021 is his third game over a span of like seven years, which is pretty awesome. His double play buddy Joey Panic makes the All Star team. What? Wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, And, okay, no, no, no. I I was wrong about Pence. Pence makes it in 2014. Bumgarner makes it in 2014. But I want you both to guess this. There's one other player that makes the game for the Giants, and he's a starting pitcher. 2014? Yes. Is Is it Kane before he got hurt? It's not Kane. It's not Kane. It's not Timmy. Not, not, yeah. not Jonathan not Sanchez, because he's <laughs> gone by then, right? 14? Yes, he's, he's gone, gone okay. by then. <laughs> uh, Vogelsong? That, that's a great guess, because mm. Vogelsong makes the team in 2011. His only okay. All-Star game was 2011. Right. Yeah, this one's hard. I, I was so mm. surprised it's when a, I saw this. And he's a starting pitcher. And it's funny, because in the World <laughs> Series, he, he can barely get out of like the second inning. Uh, Tim Hudson. Hudson. Yeah. Tim Hudson. Wow. He makes the all-star team. An all-star. What were his numbers at that point of the season? <laughs> that's I'm kind of curious. That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I only I only know what the full what the overall numbers are. Yeah, yeah. He was nine and thirteen with a four point uh well, no three point five seven ERA. So yeah, he must have numbers. started pretty well and then <laughs> you know that, the whole thing caught up with him a little bit. But um, I'm gonna see if I can find it, but it's yeah. Okay, so uh so we go back to 2011. Like you said, Vogelsong makes that game. Pablo Sandoval makes that game. And that would be, at least on the Giants, I don't, he, Brian Wilson may have made it with uh, one of the other teams he pitched for, but that would have been the second All-Star game for Brian Wilson because he and Lincecum were the only two players on the Giants from 2010. So the year they win the World Series, they only get two Lincecum, Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson goes back the next year. So does Lincecum. Lincecum is on the All-Star team for three games. I think in 2008, I think he starts that game. And uh, I'm pulling up the box score right now. I remember him starting the game. Or no, he didn't start it. So maybe he started 2011 because he doesn't even get to pitch in 2008. So let me pull up the 2011 uh, box here. Um, it, so no, he didn't start this game either. One, one of the games I thought he had started uh, and, and, and like gave up like a a run or something in the first inning. Um, but yeah, so then if we go back to uh, 2006, so these, these are a little bit of the pre-Ash years, but so this one will be uh, more for Brad. 
So uh, we know from, you know, right around the 2000s, you know, Kent and Bonds are making it every year. I think Bonds makes it every year from 93 to 2004. He misses five and six because of injuries, and he's back in 2007. But in 2006, the Giants have one guy make this team. It is not Barry. Uh, it is not uh, big play Ray Durham. <laughs> who do you, who do you think made that team in two thousand six? Because the team, the, the Giants team in, in of itself is not is not the uh, the best team in two thousand and six. JT Snow is gone, right? Two thousand six. Uh, Marquise Grissom is still there, right? Two thousand six. Think so. Um. He didn't say yes to either of those. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a uh, hard one. It's, and, uh, I, I can imagine. Um, uh, so, the, okay, I'll give you one clue, which is he okay. also made the team in 03, and they're still a good team in 03, really good yeah, team yeah. in 03, and in 04, still competing in 04, but he'd be the only player in 06. And this would be his, I think this is his last year on the Giants. He would pitch one more season after this. He's kind of flames out because of injury. Is it um, Schmidt? Jason Schmidt. I was gonna, yeah. I couldn't remember when he went off to the Dodgers. I, I that that little era again. First child, two thousand six. Yeah, I would <laughs> have never worry. guessed it. I would, I would, I was, I assumed he was gone by then. I thought so too. Oh, I have Hudson's first half numbers of two thousand fourteen. Seven and six with a two point eight seven ERA. Hmm. I wonder so if it was a late second, ad. His second half was awful, yeah. apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I should have known that Hudson won. Randomly, the book I'm reading at the moment, I'm using a Tim Hudson card as my book. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I should have had that one. You, you should be studying I the need, back of it. I need to be looking at the back and not the book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I actually aired. Brian Wilson did make the All-Star team in 08. Okay. So he would have he made that that game. and uh, So he, he, he's a three-time 08. All-Star wow. with the Giants. Wow. Hmm. Uh, okay, so getting towards the end here, um, I just want to sense this podcast. You, you, you blew right past 1989. You didn't even. Well, want no, to no, talk no, about that, Rick that's Russell. Where, no, no, that's where I'm going. That's oh, exactly right. where I'm going. Right. So, so this podcast, obviously, we we call it Thompson to Clark because of our affinity for those late 80s, early 90s teams with the Giants. So, my favorite player of all time, Robbie Thompson, makes the All Star Game in 1988. And I think he's hurt, so he doesn't get to play. Hmm. Makes it again in 1993, and he is hurt, so he doesn't get to play. <laughs> so Ro- Robbie makes it two times, doesn't doesn't have an AB. So Will Clark, the other half of this, he makes it in 88 for the Giants. He makes it in 89 for the Giants, the year that he's the runner-up for the MVP to Kevin Mitchell. He makes it in 90 for the Giants, makes it in 91 for the Giants, makes it in 92 for the Giants, doesn't make it in 93, and then he's gone by 94. So from, uh, you know, from a good, a good five-year span, Clark is in this game every year. And I think he even made one. I, I'm sure he made it with the Rangers, and I think he even made it with the Cardinals. Uh, possibly with the Orioles as well. Uh, his, he didn't have great seasons with the Orioles, but I think they were a little thin uh talent wise in the american league at that point so he i think he made a couple of those but yeah okay now let's go to the game that is 
Very memorable for Brad and myself because 1989 is when the Giants uh, had a great team. Uh, They would not win the World Series. They would lose the World Series, but still a fantastic team. So it is uh, 1989, the starting pitcher of the All-Star Game, Dave Stewart for the A's. And and there there was a very clear Giants versus A's Battle of the Bay thing going on at this time because Giants were good and really good in in 87. Uh, A's get good in 88. A's are great in 88 and they lose to the stinking Dodgers in that World Series. But 89 is where they're they're both like really, really good baseball teams. So there's this sort of thing with A's fans and Giants fans and the All-Star game is kind of one of those moments where you go, okay, like it's it's us against you guys. And so they both have starting pitchers start that game. Dave Stewart gives up two runs in the first inning and Big Daddy Rick Russell also gives up two runs in the first inning. And uh, they go the uh, National League goes on to lose five to three. Uh, so Brad and I mentioned this the last time, which is it was a leadoff uh, leadoff hitter. Bo Jackson takes one that maybe has still not landed. <laughs> deep and then Wade Boggs who isn't even really a home run hitter also takes Rick Russell deep and uh, they lead the game off with back-to-back home runs so poor Rick Russell you know uh, I I felt it probably more than Rick Russell did I was like oh my gosh our first time we're on national television and this is how you do us well Um, when Bo Jackson hit it though we all thought well that's Bo Jackson yeah all-star game because it was in was it in Anaheim uh, I think it was in Kansas City. Is it Kansas City? I thought it was Anaheim. Because I remember the big green tarp. Yeah, you're uh, right. Bo, you're right. Yeah, it's it's so, Anaheim. Yeah, so Bo Jackson hits the one off the big green tarp, and we're like, well, that's Bo Jackson, and this is Rick Russell. I mean, it's not, you know. And But then when Boggs hit it, <laughs> I think we all took it a little personally because we were like, that's Wade Boggs <laughs> hitting a home run in the All-Star game off of Rick Russell. Come on, man. So, yeah, that, that one hurt more than Bo Jackson was just like Bo Jackson was in 1989. He was Shohei Otani. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, he was he was it for baseball. If he could have pitched the way he threw from the outfield, if he could have pitched, he'd be striking out 10 a game. But uh, yeah, so so that one was forgivable, but Wade Boggs, not. Okay, so uh, kind of a fun all-star game for Giants fans because the uh, basically Clark and, and Mitchell hit three and four in that lineup. Uh, Clark goes 0 for 2. Um, and, uh, and Mitchell actually goes two for four. Mitchell almost plays the whole game. Wow. Um, goes two for four run scored RBI also struck out twice. Clark strikes out as well. And it's Clark Mitchell and Russell, uh, as the all-stars. And I always thought this was kind of funny because so, you know, in 1989, um, you know, Mark McGuire is coming off of, uh, his, his 87, his 1987 rookie year where it's 49 bombs. So, you know, he's rookie of the year, the next big guy. Next season, he still has a good average. Uh, I mean, a good home run number, 32, 99 RBIs. But his average starts to drop a little bit, 260. And, and 88 is the year that Canseco just becomes the guy, right? Like, he's the guy in 1988. 1989, because of the fame of those A's teams, McGuire makes the all-star starting team again. He's hitting 231 with 33 RBI. So his, I think, um, I think La Russa is the manager here, 
And Larusa bats Mark McGuire eighth in the lineup for the All Star game. So who's hitting in front of Big Mac? Uh, Harold Baines is the DH. He is hitting fourth. Julio Franco's hitting fifth. Ripken's hitting sixth. Ruben Sierra is hitting seventh. And uh, another A, Terry Steinbach, is hitting ninth. And so the uh, you know the media is asking Larusa like. This is your own guy. Like, you know, <laughs> you're hitting him eighth. Like, he's one of the best home run hitters in the game. And Larusa said, Oh, yeah, he, it's, it's a double cleanup. That's, he's hitting double cleanup. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that, but I just, I got to get out great. of it. I wonder, well, how many, I wonder how many times in Maguire's career he hit eighth. Like, like probably the only one, right? It must be. That, it. that was it. Yeah. 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 So, well, and um, then remember uh, the whole Ruben Sierra thing years later, where he uh, Tony Larusa called uh, Ruben Sierra the village idiot. Oh yeah, so that that was oh, yeah. always good. But <laughs> don't, you forgot to mention too in that game, American League All Star Jeffrey Leonard makes a, a pinch hit appearance. That was his second All Star game, eighty seven for the Giants, and then was he, he was on having the Brewers. A, he was in uh, Seattle at that point. Okay, he got okay. traded to the Brewers and then signed as a free agent with Seattle the next year, and then played two years in Seattle. But he had a tremendous year in eighty nine. Uh, the Hackman, right there. Yeah, yeah, in the background. Yeah, what are the <laughs> what are the Hackman? Yeah, the Hackman. Wow! Yeah, twenty-four bombs. Yeah, hit over three. Uh, no, he 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 had he only hit two fifty-three, but still twenty. Yeah. That was his highest home run season in his career. Was two seasons before he retired. Yeah, eighty-nine, and that's uh, Ken Griffey Jr.'s rookie year, correct? Why does he even retire? <laughs> because he's the hack man. I don't know if anybody really wanted him after that. <laughs> well, okay, okay. Thing. So, well, yeah. I'm. I'm. There may maybe it's that, but yeah. 24 homers, 93 RBI. In 1990, he still has 10 home runs and 75 RBI. He, I mean, he's never been an on-base guy. No. Um, but it doesn't seem like he was absolutely ready for retirement. How old was he at that point? Uh, 1990, he would have been 35. Hmm. I mean, at that time, 35. You got a DH, American. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Yeah. And that's what's going to help guys coming up, you know, next season in the National League. You're going to see a lot of guys prolong their career because of that. And, and, but, but I don't know. I mean, he wasn't the most fun guy to get along with from everything <laughs> we've ever read about him. But <laughs> there was, there was a, I think it was either Inside Sports or Sport Magazine. Where uh, I think on his bat, he would tilt the bat towards the catcher and inscripted on his bat was <laughs> F you. <laughs> I think I, I think right. I think I remember reading that. You got so. to like applaud the effort. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That level of being that annoying. <laughs> When right, I was so, with the when I was doing broadcasting for the San Jose Giants, I tried to get an interview with him when he was the manager of the Modesto oh, A's yeah, team. I remember that? And nope, I just <laughs> said, "Yeah, you know, the Giants, former Giant, we'd love to talk to you. Have you on pregame?" Jeffrey Leonard does not do pregame interviews. <laughs> All righty, <laughs> so that was it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was uh, he was one of the guys that I remember because when I grew up, when you and I grew up, he was just Jeff. Yes. Jeff. And then he became Jeffrey. Like, it was like yes. all of a sudden he had to be Jeffrey instead of just Jeff. Yeah. That brought all the attitude, I think, too. All right. Last uh, <laughs> last question for both of you here, which is uh, actually we got uh, 
Oh, so uh, Jerry, our, our, our buddy Jerry, we're going to bring Jerry on one of these yeah, days. Oh, yeah. Jerry did have a, n- a note for us. Monday Night Baseball started in the 70s. I know I'm that old. <laughs> yeah, Jerry's older than me. So I just <laughs> want to put that out there. So so Jerry, just, just so you know, uh, Brad and I... You know, a blind spot for me is the the 70s teams. Cause I know about the 60s teams because that was like my dad's when he was growing up. I know some a little bit about the early 70s, but from like the mid to late 70s, I, that's like my baseball blind spot. So I want to bring on Jerry. Maybe we should, you know, maybe when the, the season is over and we just are trying to find topics, we need to do a whole show on like the 70s teams and we'll bring Jerry oh, yeah. on. That'll be fun. Um, thanks for the comment, Jerry. Okay, so last, last thing for, for me here, um, which is... I don't know if you guys know this, but the the uh, the last time the National League won the All Star Game was the Melky Cabrera Game, two thousand and twelve. Oh, wow. Two thousand and thirteen, Ale wins three zero. Fourteen, they win five three. Fifteen, they win six three. Sixteen, they win four two. Seventeen, they win two to one. Eighteen, they win eight to six. And the last, obviously, we didn't have one last year. They won four to three. Uh, Shane Bieber wins the MVP. Question for you guys. Does the National League break the curse in 2021? Ash, we'll start with you. I'm going to say yes. I think it's it. Do you want a score prediction? Whatever you got. (laughs) I'm going to say yes, and it's going to be a 6-5 win for the National League. Brad. I'm going to go National League. I'm trying to look here to see the last time the game was at Coors. Uh, 1998, and it was a... Well, 1998, we know, was a very heavy steroid year. <laughs> that was that was a 13-8 to victory by the American League. Uh, so Coors Field, you will have fireworks. You will yeah. have lots of home runs. Um. I think the National League is probably a little more well-equipped in the home run uh, barrage this year, but I think Shohei is going to hit two home runs, wow. and I think the American League's going <laughs> to uh, Okay, so I will break the tie here. Okay. Now, we know in the home run derby, they're not using the humidor. Are, oh, they really? use, are they using it in the actual game? I hope not. Because this is a spectacle. This is a <laughs> I, everybody needs to hit a home run. Um, okay, I'm, I'm going to pull up the we home run. We don't care about pitchers' feelings in this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going I'm to pull up the home run numbers because I know Otani is clear and and away the leader in in home runs. So Otani has 33. Vladdy Jr. has 28. Tatis has 28. Kyle Schwarber, where's this dude coming from? <laughs> well, he's hurt, so I don't think he's going to play. Okay. Is he still hurt? I think he's still hurt. Yeah. Uh, Gallo, 24. Acuna, unfortunately, he got hurt, 24. Simeon, 22. Devers, 22. Okay, so I think, like Brad said, this is going to be the Otani game. But I also think that the National League has three really good teams. I think the Giants, Dodgers, and Padres are going to help this team win. This can be the only time all season long that I'm going to root for any Dodger <laughs> to do anything positive. <laughs> my, uh, my, my stepson was asking me about teams the other day and he's like, what about the Dodgers? And I was like, the only thing I want for the de- to happen for the Dodgers is that every single player on the team gets gout. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, because it's not like an injury that no, you know, no, no. hurts there. It's just oh. like an inflammation. You know, yeah. maybe you can't walk for a couple of days. Yeah. So it's that's curable. the only thing. It's good, yeah. right? So, um, but I do think I do think the uh, Dodgers, Padres, and the Giants are going to show out a little bit. They're going to show, you know, we're, we we are the three three of the best teams in baseball. We got some good players at, and. I think Crawford is going to at least he'll get a shot to hit for sure because yeah. you know he's he, he's having such a terrific fielding season. If they don't want to put him out on the field, I'm fine with that because the dude is going to go balls to the walls <laughs> to get every single ball and dive and do all that crazy stuff. And he, don't. I don't want him to get hurt. <laughs> you know, Brent, Brandon Crawford comes up in the ninth inning, gets a nice base hit to uh, to uh, score the winning run. That's my so- guess. I have a theory what MLB, what the NL manager should do is that they should start Crawford at shortstop and put Tatis as like the National League DH oh. because <laughs> he can't play defense anyway. That's so he's, right. <laughs> he's a better DH than he is a shortstop. So you get the best of both worlds, right? Your lineup is instantly better. So yeah, I, like be that. I like Crawford that. Crawford should be the shortstop in my eyes. There we yeah. go. All right. So um, that yeah, is. I'm going to be. A- just so you know, too, I'm no, going to go be, I'm really excited to watch the game. I love the game. It's right around my birthday. It's like, you know, it's midsummer. That's why they call it the midsummer classic. Yeah. It's, it's right around kind of that celebration time. Like you grab a beer, sit down. I've made wings one year too. Uh, barbecued oh. some wings. It was so fun, but we're going to be getting to the hotel in Hawaii. Like as the game starts, because over there, it starts at 2 p.m. Yes. So anytime we've been there during the All-Star game, it's like before I even know it, I mean, we're at the beach, we're snorkeling, we're doing so, And before I even know it, like the game's over. I get back yeah. to the hotel room. It's like five, six o'clock. We're getting ready for dinner. I'm like, oh, the game's ending. So hopefully this time I get right there, I'll be able to like at least catch like the very beginning of it as we're unpacking and all that. So, well, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think Ash and I will give you a break there. If you're going to be in Hawaii, yeah. I think it's okay for you to miss the game. I do think the All-Star game should really take priority. Over I, yeah, that's what Come I, on. I told my wife and she was like, <laughs> yeah, <it's fine. laughs> um, All right, so I want to thank Ash again. Uh, great. I've, I have so much fun doing this stuff when we add a, a third person, and I'm glad that it's been Ash the last couple of times we've done this because I think uh, you you would fit in very nicely if, if we had a, a three-person pod. So really appreciate you coming on. Yes. Um, again, go find Ash's stuff, subscribe, uh, follow him on Twitter, all of that good stuff. And Brad, I want to say have a safe, fun spectacular vacation with you, you and the family uh we'll figure out what i'm gonna do for the next week um have a couple <laughs> i have a couple ideas uh, on, on what to do cool but um but yeah and then you know again that the fight game media channel we're gonna do the uh, home run derby live stream so for brad and for ash i am double g we'll see you when we see you peace out